Hey friends, this is Christy Young. Welcome to Bite Size Apologetics, where we pursue the truth one bite at a time. Okay, you guys, we are out here in the woods and I'm about to tie up all of my kiddos and blindfold them so that they can't see. I'm gonna do it really, really good so that there's no way they can see through these little scarves. Is yours okay? Yes. Is that good? Yes. Okay. And then with the goal, they know their mission is to find their way back to the house. Uh, do you think they can do it? What do you guys think? Do y'all think you can do it? Yes. Find your way back to the house. Now here's the deal. They cannot see. I've given them no directions and they are operating blind, which means, you know, they can't see. We're not gonna make noises for them. They do not have landmarks that they can find. We've made sure that we are pretty deep in the woods because otherwise these kids could find their way back home. We can all hold hands and try. You can hold hands and try. Okay, now wait, but I'm gonna spin you. How about this? Turn around in a circle 10 times. See if y'all can all do it 10 times. Turn around 10 times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Okay, now set off on your adventure, you guys. Whoa. <laughs> Keep hands out in front of you so you don't get lost. Wait, I need to stop. No peeking, okay, no peeking. You might be not you can get all of them. No, babe. You're so cute. Yes. So you guys, how hard was it to walk blind and to try to find your way back home blind? It was it was kind of scary because like there could be a log in front of you or a tree. Yeah. Or even a creek. And you can tell well we can't see. That's right, Bubs, that's right. And um, it was kind of fun because you can, like, um, if you see a tree, you can wave your hands out. You weren't supposed to be able to see, Stinker. Mama, I wasn't. Oh, you, <laughs> you feel a tree if you're about to run into it. So you have to let your hands guide you. Okay. Oh, like that well, one. So a web. This is gonna this is going to be a great opener for this episode. And I want to read Psalm 119.105 because Jesus does not leave us to walk blindly in this life. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so Jesus gives us a lamp for our feet to guide us and a light to our path to guide us. Okay, so I'm walking back with my kids and my own observation is this. It's very clear that when we're walking blindfolded that you can't see where you're going and every person goes aimlessly in their own direction with no guidance and no direction. And really, they will all end up in different places and they really are walking with no clarity, no guidance. Just aimlessly is the word that I think of. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to walk through life aimlessly. Life is too short to live it aimlessly. 
And then can I tell y'all something from my personal experience? I think I get, it gets so old to hear people say that you just have to have blind faith. You know, as if Christianity is not an intellectual faith. The reality is, is that all through scripture, Jesus calls us to exercise and use our intellect and to reason. In fact, I want to give you four examples. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus desires us to use our mind in loving him. That he knows that even for Christ, as he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, he kept reciting scripture back to the enemy to say, no, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. That logically, he used his mind to keep the devil at bay and to respond to the to the enemy. But faith is not blind and faith does not oppose reason. In fact, Christianity does not demand a blind faith, but an intelligent faith. In Isaiah 118, the Lord said to the nation of Israel, come, come now, let us reason together. In 1 Thessalonians 5:21, Paul says to test everything and to hold fast to what is good. It's likely that he was talking about all of the prophecies that were being made at the time, and he was calling the people to evaluate them against the known truth from the Old Testament, from Christ and his life, and from the apostles. In 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, Paul testifies that Christians should be pitied more than anyone if there is no resurrection. Christianity is fundamentally a resurrection faith so that if the evidence shows that Jesus lived and died and was resurrected, then we have, there is, we have eternal hope and we have salvation, but our faith does rely upon the reality of Christ living a perfect life dying and being resurrected by the Father, if all of those things happened, then we have hope and we have salvation. Oh, we have great joy ahead of us and great, an eternity to look forward to. But if Jesus did not live, did not die, and was not resurrected, then what Paul's saying here is, then we believe a falsehood and that we are most of all to be pitied. So Paul is telling us to think and to look at the evidence because the evidence matters. The historical facts matter. What does the evidence show? Does the evidence show that Jesus did live and die and was he resurrected? Or does the evidence, the weight of the evidence, seem to say the opposite? that Jesus did not live, did not die, and was not resurrected because that matters in terms of establishing whether we should follow Christ or whether we should walk away from all this nonsense if they're all lies or if this is all made up because then Paul says we are most of all to be pitied. Alrighty, hey you guys, I thought I'd enjoy y'all and join you here outside on my front porch with my dogs. Uh, there's one last story that I want to, that I believe is worth pointing to uh, really, all of scripture is worth pointing to, right? But there is one that makes this point so well about how we need to look at the evidence and then follow the Lord that and the God that is most reasonable to follow, right? And this is Elijah. This is in the book of 1 Kings. Elijah basically challenges the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And he calls all of them to Mount Carmel and says, he says this, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. The people were confused. They didn't know who was the one true God. 
he basically sets up this scene where they are going to set up two separate altars. I'm gonna to try to show y'all visually with my hands, okay? So stay with me. Okay, Elijah is gonna set up an altar with a ram to sacrifice. And then the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah are going to set up another altar with a ram, to a ram that has been sacrificed. And then Elijah says this, let's call out to our gods and see who brings down all-consuming fire to consume the sacrifice and the burnt offering. And so for the greater portion of the day, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah call out to their God. In fact, Elijah mocks them saying this. He says, there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing or maybe he's relieving himself or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. But, but as, the time, as the day went on, no one answered. It was quiet. There was, their God did not come to consume the sacrifice. There was no evidence that their God was real. In fact, the altar was there. All the people were limping around their altar, cutting themselves calling out to their God, and there was, it was quiet. And then Elijah said th says this, everyone come here. And so to this altar that he has created for the Lord God, do you know what Elijah did before he called out to God? This is how much he trusted the Lord and knew that God was the one true God. He saturated his sacrifice. He, sa he saturated the ram with water three times. And, and then dug a trench around the altar and it filled up with water after they had just repeatedly poured water on the sacrifice. Elijah did that first. And then he calls out to the Lord and says this, answer me, O Lord, answer me. And that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord falls down and consumes the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it even licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And so Elijah, though, as another example in scripture, Elijah calls the people to look at the evidence. And it's very clear that the prophets of Baal called out to their God repeatedly with no response. And then Elijah called out to the Lord, our God. And instantly, he, even though the ram and the altar had been, had been saturated with water, God consumed the sacrifice and the burnt offering and in fact licked up all of the water that had been poured, poured in the trenches, revealing that he alone is the one true God. And so all over scripture, this is my encouragement to you, all over scripture, God calls us to use our mind to reason, to look at the weight of the evidence and examine what is real and true. Let's take a break now for some comedy cravings. Hey, Jonathan. How does Moses make his tea? How? He brews it. That's funny. I have a joke for you. What is the sharpest book in the Bible? Hmm, tough one. I don't know. Axe. Good joke. What do cats eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies. <laughs> um, what was wrong with a wooden car, with a wooden wheels, with a wooden engine? What? It wouldn't go. Oh my god. <laughs> How do you keep... Oh. How do you, how do bees brush their hair? I don't know. With, um, honeycomb. 
Here are three questions for families to discuss. Does Jesus ask us to exercise blind faith, meaning faith without any evidence or reason? Two, can you share one to two examples from scripture where Jesus himself calls us to exercise logic and reason? And three, what does the psalmist mean in Psalm 119, 105 when he says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path? Alrighty, you guys. Thanks so much for watching. Please share these videos and like and subscribe to the channel because it helps support the ministry so that we can continue to create content.